So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. Today, I am so excited to have Andrew on to talk about mobile home parks. He owns 14 manufactured housing communities. That is a huge amount. I'm so excited. This is an industry, as a lot of our listeners know, that I I have been obsessed with for the last little bit. And I think our community has been obsessed with because of the cash flow nature of it, the opportunity that lies in it. And today we have Andrew that's going to talk to us all about it, how we got started. Um, this is one that if you have ever even thought about this space, you guys need to listen to. With that, Let's bring Andrew in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really yes. appreciate it. I'm happy to have you on, man. This is uh, exciting. I'm a, you know, it's it's an industry. You guys, you guys live in this cool industry. I mean, it, it's so niche, and I think that's what I like about it because I'm in self storage, and self storage is same thing, very niche, right? And I've had, you know, I've loved that industry because of a lot of things that I feel like your industry is kind of mirrors economically, different things like that, that just produces good results. And I believe we'll continue to first. So I thank you so much for coming on to talk to us about these manufactured housing communities. And I feel like there's not a ton of people that are either talking about it or resources out there. So I'm really excited to have you bring some knowledge and resources to our audience. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Nope. Happy to share. Did you start in manufactured communities? Like, is that how you actually got into real estate investing or were you in a real estate investing in another asset class and moved into it? Yeah. So I actually started out wholesaling and flipping uh, residential properties throughout central Florida. And that's how I got into real estate. Uh, And then through my marketing efforts, I was mailing out yellow letters, you know, doing probates, foreclosures, things like that. Uh, I got a lead on two manufactured homes, like individual mobile homes up in Ocala, which is a couple hours north of where I live. So I went up there and looked at these homes and I was like, these things are, are beautiful. 2200 bucks cash and I could buy both of these homes, clean titles, everything. So I was like, I bought them. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how I was going to make money on them. But I just knew that there had to be a way that these things would be worth more than that. So uh, I bought those homes and went home and got on YouTube and and typed in how to make money with mobile homes. And this guy named Lonnie Scruggs popped up and I ended up buying his book, Deals on Wheels, and learning about how to create mailbox money through investing in mobile homes. And uh, that's where I got started in in (laughs) manufacturing housing. You know what I think I love most about that story? is the fact that you just jumped into it. I love that. Like You're just like, oh, that looks good. I'm going to buy it and figure out how to make money afterwards. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, you know, most people, it's like, you know, analysis paralysis, right? You're like, well, before I make any decision here, I need to know 100% of everything, which never happens, right? So, all right, so you're buying these, you know, these tin cans that are nice, you know, but you're getting them for cheap. You decide to go out and you, you move them on to communities? So what I did is these are in 55 and older communities down here in Orlando. Okay. So I cleaned them up, probably spent a thousand bucks just getting, you know, cleaning them out, getting them really deep cleaned, doing a little bit of paint. 
And then I posted them on Craigslist and I posted them. Lonnie Scruggs teaches people how to sell homes on like a contract. So I bought them both combined for 2,200 bucks, posted them online for $3,000 down and 250 bucks a month for five years. And they sold within two weeks. So the demand was like off the charts. I was hooked at that point because in my, when I was doing flips, it was like, oh, I got, a, I got a closing this month. Life is great. And then the next couple months would, would die down. And then, oh, I got another closing. So it was very inconsistent. Yeah. So, uh, to build some, some monthly cash flow, uh, this was great, you know, to help offset my, my expenses. You know, too, what I love about that is that that's the kind of thing that most Americans can do, right? They can save and they can gather up $2,000. And so the barrier of entry to that was just so low for you to do it. To cre- because you, after once you got that $3,000 down, right, you've already made a profit. And then from there, the 250 bucks per unit, 500 bucks a month to you, is infinite returns that... If you asked anybody today in America, would you like 500 extra bucks a month and you have to pay 2000 to get it, which you'll get that back in a month, you know, I mean, yeah, everybody would say yes. Create, create your own stimulus. Yeah. That money, right? I love that. That's so, just awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. That, that was how I got started. And Lonnie Scruggs, I mean, I'm a big fan of his, his books is still for sale on Amazon that deals on wheels and he's just a very very cool guy to listen to, but that's how I got started in manufactured housing. And since then, uh, you know, I went to there was an MHU boot camp that you know Frank Rolf and Dave Reynolds teach. Uh, I've been to that several times, but I went to my first one after I I was decided that I wanted to go into mobile home parks, and uh, you know learned learned the basics of the business. It's like a three day boot camp, very informational. Uh, met some investors. There was a, a good group of people there. There was like a hundred attendees. So I met some people that you know had full time jobs and just wanted to invest passively. So kept their information. Started cold calling. Started mailing yellow letters out to owners of mobile home parks. And I ended up getting several deals and reached out to uh, one of the investors that I met at the MHU boot camp. And that's how I did my first deal because I, I didn't have enough money to take it down myself. Yeah. But, you know, he came in, had a balance sheet that, that could get the loan and uh, the rest is history. How many of the houses did you own before you got the community? So w- when I was doing the Lonnie deals, I actually yeah. ended up buying 19 of those individual homes that were in other people's communities okay. and then selling them on contract. So that was like my little side hustle business. Yeah. And then from there... I, I moved into, you know, mobile home parks where you own the, the real estate instead so of just the homes. Your side hustle at 250 bucks was making you 5000 a month. It's a pretty good little side hustle you had there, I'd say. It was great. And, and like you said, there's a, there's a low barrier to entry. I didn't have a ton of cash to, to put into this. You know, it, it, it made sense, but it was, it was uh, temporary cash flow. It wasn't forever cash. And that's what I was really after is the forever cash. And in the mobile home park space, that's what we're creating is, you know, cash flow every month, even in this, you know, pandemic, you know, we're still collecting rents. You know, one of the guys that we hired, which is a, a he's like our head of operations on the, our self-storage stuff. His wife works at a manufactured housing, like manufacturer, 
Like they actually build them. And so, um, it's huge. It's massive uh, out, out here. And I went and got a tour this with them, you know, and watch them put these things together, which for those of you that don't know, unlike obviously a normal manufacturing house, it's a manufacturing process where they're on like wheels and they pull them through. Everything's added one by one as you go through. And to the end product is amazing. I mean, I was blown away how nice these things were at the price you could get them. I mean, these were nice and they were dirt cheap. It's unbelievable. Uh, ben Carson came and spoke at the MHI Congress and Expo this past year, and he he put on a presentation. And you know he's a big believer in manufactured housing, and he said manufactured housing can be built on average for around forty eight or forty nine dollars a square foot, where site built housing is more than double that. So it's it's a, a easily very viable more option. than double that. Easily, I mean yeah, today. So in most markets, I mean, I'm in Idaho, little old Idaho, and you're at, for if you want a decent, nice home, you're over 150 bucks. I mean, there's just no way around it. And uh, I mean, you're talking some of these homes that I was looking at, you know, they're $60,000, $50,000, and they were nice. Oh, they, you can deck them out, granite countertops. Yeah. I mean, the, the newest you know, uh, flooring, the, the wood paneled flooring. I mean, they, they do well, them very nice. They had one that was like a small one, but it had like all, it had glass on the outside of it. And it was very modern, like slanted roofs. It had this deck that came off it. And like, if you put that in the ground, and this is, I got the idea because this is what people were doing. They were putting it in the ground, right? But they were doing it up in the mountains with great vistas. And then they're Airbnb in the thing for like 500 a night. And they were selling like crazy because these things were nice. They're really nice. And, and you, know, you pull up, you can't even, you don't even notice that they were manufactured ho- homes. I mean, when I went through and saw this process and saw, you know, you can buy this thing for 50,000 bucks and then you're renting it out in a lot of these locations at 800 to 1200 a month. And I was, I mean, just blown away by, you know, the returns, but plus the quality. It's not like you're, and to a lot of the people that are buying them, these are retired people that had great income stuff. They're selling their house. They're pocketing the cash. They'd love to come purchase one and live in a place that they like. They're great tenants. So, you know, my whole vision or I guess my whole idea of this space has really changed in the last two years. Did you have some of those, I guess, like notions before you got into it? Was it a little, were you kind of worried about it? I mean, to be honest, I wasn't worried about, I looked at it from more of a supply and demand standpoint. You know, when I was selling those individual mobile homes, I had never seen the demand for a product like that. It was like, it, it was just unbelievable. It was like I had a golden goose, you know, the everybody. And all I did was put an ad up on Craigslist and people would just, I mean, I was getting 25 calls a day that people wanted to, 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 to buy this thing. So you know, I knew that, that was very intriguing to me just from a business standpoint. And then the second part of this that's very intriguing about uh, mobile home parks in general is that, you know, the rate at which new mobile home parks are being developed is, is very, very slow. Uh, I think I heard well, it's the other negative. day. Like you, it, your negative. supply is, 
your supply is reducing. There's not one real estate asset class in the world. Yours reduces by 3%, but demand is rising. So the spread is like 10% or something like this, which two, I got to tell you, I'm in the self-storage world and everyone that hears self-storage immediately says, yeah, there's like 10 of those being built around my house. And it's true. I mean, they're building them everywhere where they're not doing that with mobile home parks. No, no. I think they said that on average, there's like 50 to 100 torn down every year and redeveloped into either, you know, a better use, multifamily, you know, residential, whatever. And, you know, there's only like five built every year. So that's huge. So from outside macro level, you can see that, you know, these are going to be a good uh, a good solution long term is in terms of an investment. What do you think are some of the downsides of the industry? I guess you could say, like, what would be, what would be some, you know, every industry are pros and cons. Like, so I love self storage, but there's there's downsides. I don't have long term leases, right? Like my revenue at the end of the month could change dramatically, and it's really right now in most markets oversupplied. Like occupancy and rents are either stabilizing or going down in huge markets across, in lots of them across the country. What are some downsides that you see? The you know yours is opposite on that standpoint, but what are some downsides of this asset class? Yeah, great question. Number one, I would say you know manufactured housing is not built with the same materials that single family houses and, and other properties are built with. So, you know, the drywall is a thinner drywall, the doors are special sizes, the windows are special sizes. So you can't go to Home Depot and buy, you know, a mobile home door. You know, you have to go to a mobile home depot or order it specifically from a, you know, manufacturer. And that can get expensive. So repairs and maintenance on the individual homes can be pricey. And you know, our whole business model is around not owning the homes. Because your expense ratio, you know, is, is a lot higher when you when you're in charge of all that maintenance. So we want our tenants to own the homes, and we just want to receive lot rent off of off of the land. However, you know, part of the the business is you have to bring in homes and sell them, and and sometimes when they get vacated, you have to rehab them and sell them. So I would say that is one downside is that you know the material costs are are a bit higher, and then also the contractors that work on mobile homes. You know, you can't just go hire a neighborhood general contractor to do, you know, a, a couple of renovations on some mobile homes. You're going to be stuck with more of the, the handyman type. And that brings its own uh, how challenges. Do I put this? <laughs> it, 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 challenges, right? Yeah. Because they're not always the most professional. You really consistent have to or... consistent. <laughs> you got to ride them a little bit. You, mm-hmm. you got to make sure they show up for work. So those are some of the, the downsides I've found, you know, so far. Now, Okay, let, let's go back here a little. So tell me about the first park you got into. First of all, I obviously love the story. If you're buying the actual mobile home park, let's talk about the park, the community, right? What was your first sure. community? How'd you find this thing? Um, and what does it look like from an acquisition to revenue standpoint? All that stuff. Yeah, so it was an awesome opportunity. I had cold called a lot of mobile home parks around the Midwest and around specific metros that I had researched. And one of the metros that is growing and, and looked you know, good employment and so forth was St. Louis. So I was calling all of the mobile home parks around the St. Louis metro, asking the owners you know, and the managers if they, they were interested in selling the properties. Uh, and I came across one that said, yeah, I think the sellers, I think the owners would be interested in selling. 
So I ended up getting, getting on the phone with them, getting all the information I needed from them. And uh, it was a 67 lot mobile home park in Edwardsville, Illinois, which is a nice suburb of the St. Louis Metro. It only had 58 units occupied when we bought it. It was uh, septic tanks and city water. So we knew going in that we were going to have to do, you know, some pretty good due diligence on this. And basically we bought it at a 10 cap. So it was 1.34 million and, you know, net operating income was 134,000 uh, as is. So we came in there, did a lot of due diligence, you know, realized that the septic tanks and the tree roots were going to be an issue. So we made sure to, you know, raise a little bit of money for, for reserves when those go bad. Uh, but we were able to buy it and then fully occupy it within six months. So we brought in homes, filled up all of the, the vacant lots and raised rents a little bit and charged back for uh, the water because the park was currently paying for that expense. So doing just those couple of things made this like a 15 cap. So really made it a home run deal. Uh, 22 months later, we were, we were able to refinance that deal and it appraised at 2.4 million. So added a tremendous amount of value, refied out all of our investor capital, and we still own it and it still pays us, you know, cash flow distributions every quarter. So that that was our first deal. That's awesome. Your specific model that you have, correct me if I'm wrong, is a value add. Correct. Yeah, it is a, a value add play. Typically we like to buy properties around 70% occupied. So there's still cash flow in day one. Uh, but then we want to get it up to close to 95% occupancy and then pull out the investor capital, you know, as quickly as possible. Got it. And now you where where did you find so a lot of people think about doing this stuff? You went out, you bought it, you had the only experience in it was from owning the individual ones, right? Now, what 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 did you do before this? Like, what was your, were you in uh, real estate? You know how to syndicate funds before this? What, I mean, what were, what was your job? Really didn't. So uh, uh, I was in real estate. I was flipping houses and, and wholesaling deals. So I, I knew general investor, you know, investor lingo and talk and the contracts and so forth. But I really didn't have uh, the management experience. I've managed contractors with the flips and things like that. So I knew how to manage them. But in terms of the actual property management experience, I didn't have that. Uh, so I just became a sponge. And I mean, I'm still a sponge to this day. But uh, when I was first starting out, I mean, I was always on YouTube, I was always, you know, buying courses. And, you know, I became a licensed real estate agent in the state of Florida. And through that, the, the National Association of Realtors offers a property management course that I took. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went and took, there's a, a nationwide manufactured housing management designation that I went ahead and took the classes for and received. So, uh, you know, as with you, you know, you're just always learning and always trying to, you know, level up. Yeah, I, but I love that you went out and just figured it out. And now with that first deal that you did, how soon was it before you did your next one? And what year was this? Sorry. So this first deal was what year? That was June 2017 that we closed on that deal. Okay. And then when was your second deal? Was it immediately so this after? Is, this is the crazy part. So, you know, like I had been cold calling for like a year before we closed on our first deal. And it was like building that sales funnel. You know, you're building the funnel. People don't, people aren't always ready to sell right then and there, you know, when you make your first phone call. 
but I had a whole you know calendar full of follow-up you know dates and calls to make. So the next one closed after Coil Run uh, within the next six months. We had closed another deal. And then as soon after we closed that one, within like three months, we closed another one. So the deal started to come through and we were able to take advantage of them. Uh, you know, thank goodness, because we, we had good, uh, good ways to raise capital because I, I didn't have the money myself to, to put forth. Yeah. Now, explain to me your deal flow. So you, you talk about making cold calls, things that you're going directly. Yeah. So at this point, now that we have, you know, 16 communities, you know, we, we've diversified. So we still cold call. We have a virtual assistant that we found on Upwork that calls mobile home park owners all day and notifies us when they find a, a seller that's interested in talking to us. Uh, we also still mail out postcards to uh, certain states that we're looking to buy in. And then we have a broker network where you typically have like one to two brokers per state that we build relationships with and talk to on a monthly basis and tell them, hey, we have investor capital. We're looking to invest in this market. This is our criteria, you know, 50 lots or more public utilities within a, a 50,000 population metro. And they're always hunting, sending us deals as well. So we've bought in from brokers now. We've, we've bought off-market properties. Obviously, the off-market properties are, are the best ones. Uh, we've also have four deals that we've closed with seller financing. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, been, a good, it's been a good fun ride. And tell me about your markets. Now, what states are you looking into and what, like, what markets are you identifying? What do you look for as far as a market goes that makes it good for this asset type, for a mobile home park? Sure. So I would say on a broad spectrum, you want to go after, you know, highly populated areas, you know, and my typical, my niche is Midwestern, you know, metros that have 50,000 people or more. Uh, obviously, the more, the better. Uh, you're going to have more demand. Uh, but 50,000 has been a good number for us. It diversifies in terms of the number of, of employers available and things like that. Uh, but that's, that's really been our niche. Uh, also, if you're like within 30 to 45 minutes of a, a metro that has 50,000 people, maybe you're just outside the metro, but you're still, you're still relatively close and there's, you know, people can commute to go to work and so forth in the metro. Those are the markets that I'm looking in. You mentioned size, it was 50 units plus, right? Correct. And uh, is that just because you, you're bigger margin? Bigger margin, scalability. Uh, you know, we purchased a, a park that had 31 lots and it just doesn't move the needle enough. You got to yeah. be able to pay yeah. a manager to be on site, yeah. to be your eyes and ears. Yep. And we just realized very early on that, hey, that just doesn't work. We want to be able to you know, either cluster parks close together, you know, to, to yeah. get a little bit of economy of scale there or buy parks that are 50 lots or above. Yeah. That's like in self-storage, we go by square footage and really anything under 50,000 square feet to us, it just doesn't move the needle and your fixed expenses. Once again, they don't change. So if it's 50,000 square feet or a hundred thousand square feet, I still got the exact same expenses. So it really starts, you get in under, under 50,000 and you got to get more creative or figure that out, which is just hard to do. Now, talk, uh, talk to me about the supply. You're, you've, you identified your markets. You've identified the process between your broker networks, you calling, and you're using uh, you know, the uh, assistant from, you found on Upwork. And now when you're going through though, is this something where you got a lot of deals to look at or is it just, you know, you're really hoping to find 
one deal. I mean, what's that deal flow? Did you have options? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of parks. And as mobile home parks are catching steam, you know, and cap rates are kind of compressing, uh, there's there's a lot of brokers that are, you know, putting deals out and they're including, you know, income from the park owned homes and inflating the prices. So there's a lot of deals that come through that we look at. Uh, I'd say for every hundred deals we look at, we probably only close one of them. And for every 10 deals we get under contract, you know, we probably only close one of them just because due diligence is so important. You know, looking at the utility infrastructure, you know, you could really get in trouble because a lot of the mom and pops that we're buying from, you know, they don't have good financial records. You know, they, they group it together. They group all their rentals together. It's not just this one mobile home park. You know, they, they may be paying insurance for all of their rentals out of just the mobile home park. And there's just different things like that, you know, you have to look out for and, and account for and make sure that you're you know, you're, you're buying what you're getting. And how distress, like, you know, when you look at quality of the parks you want to buy, I always know that there tends to be a sweet spot, right? You want to be able to turn it around, but at the same time, you got to be careful to not get like too bad. Like, where's the line where you're like, this just isn't worth it. Yeah. Usually we want to buy like C minus product and take it up to like a B that's, that's like our ideal value add play. You know, the A market, I would say, is like the amenity rich 55 and older, like very nice, pristine communities. Uh, and then there's the bottom feeders, you know, the, the D and the F grades that are just beyond repair. And it, it just there's so much deferred maintenance. And that's what we don't want to we don't want to be those those slumlords that have, you know, assets that they're just out of control and, and beyond repair. So C, I'd say C minus is a good starting point for us. And then we can you know put capital into it improve the common areas, you know, clean it up and, and really make it a great community for the long term. Now, this brings you this brings us right into I think probably what's the key. It is self storage is operations. The operator makes it or breaks it. You don't want to be a slumlord, right? You don't want to do it. So self storage is more like retail. We have people coming in, there's dynamic pricing, we have all these operation things that we work on to to improve it. What are the operations like with a mobile home park? Like what are the key things that if I'm looking to go into mobile homes, what do I need to know? And are there third party management companies that really focus in the space or is that not really a thing? Great question. Yeah. So there are a couple of third party management companies, but from what I've heard, it's just, it's very tough to, to scale this and to, you know, efficiently manage, you know, a large number of, of, of these properties. So it's not mainstream like multifamily and, and, you know, other asset classes where there is third-party management. So in, in terms of operations, it's not a complex uh, business model, but it does take a lot of grit and a lot of follow through. So you can't let it slip. And there's really I'd say four main things that we need to focus on. Uh, one would be collections. You know, we're, we're in the collections business. You know, you're going to have to pursue rent for about 5 to 10% of your tenant base every month. 90% of our tenants pay on time every month. It's not an issue. That extra 5 to 10%, we're going to have to work for it. Number two is occupancy. You know, we're going to have to make sure that if, if homes are moving out, we're filling those lots. Uh, if homes go vacant, that we're rehabbing them and getting them live again. So we got to control occupancy. Uh, number three is going to be our water sewer expense. You know, that's something that can get way out of control. If you have a leak, you got to identify those early on to make sure it doesn't get out of control. And then I'd say number four is your budget actual difference and making sure that you're fine tuning that. And that's where if you go with the more seasoned operator, 
uh, that's done, you know, more than five deals, you know, their, their budget is going to be, you know, closer to accurate, I would say, than, you know, a newer operator. Underwriting that, that with experience, we, we, we've seen a lot of people where they underwrite and it's like, this is not even like you've left out half of it. And two, you see a lot of this with um, real estate agents. I mean, we have lots of agents that's brought us deals and we're like, your numbers aren't even right um, uh, in, in the space. Cause there's not a lot of people that focus on it. Do you find that a lot with mobile home parks? You have a, you have a realtor that comes, Oh, I got this great deal. And you're like, I've got to redo all of this. And then it turns out to not be a great. Deal. Yeah. I've seen it both ways though. Uh, we've had realtors bring us deals that, they didn't know what they had. They had a gym and this, the stigma of a mobile home park or a trailer park to them made them value the asset lower than what it actually you know, should be. So your typical realtor, there's, you know, it could go both ways, but yeah, I have seen it overpriced where they're, you know, counting park owned home income or rental income at the same and capping it the same as lot rent income. Uh, and then I've seen it the other way where we got great deals. Now, you own how many communities now? 14? We own 16 communities 16? At, at this point. Yep, we have we have four under contract right now that You have four uh, under contract to... right now. Yeah. That's awesome. We're excited. Thank you, man. We're jacked. It's it's a, it's a great time to uh, to be buying these things. And do you focus all do you try to keep them within the same area or is that is geography does that not matter as much as long as the market's good? We do try to cluster them. You know, it just makes more sense for us. We get more economies of scale with with our management and things like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the four that we have under contract right now are very close to existing assets. So that just helps us tremendously. A couple of them are in the Fort Wayne, Indiana metro. Uh, so it's just a, a good area. We know it. We can underwrite, you know, lot rents and things like that more accurately. So uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited. Now, how do you compete? So there is particularly, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll say a few months ago, obviously not now. There was so much pressure chasing all these assets. I don't care what you're in. I don't care if it's hotels, if it's multifamily, if it's storage, if it was retail, commercial, industrial, it doesn't matter. There was, everything was being compressed and everybody was fighting over deals. How do you stand out and how do you find, get deals done with that kind of pressure? Yeah, so my niche is parks that are like 50 lots up to like 90 lots. So a lot of the big funds and the, the institutional grade investors, uh, they're going after parks that are 100 lots or, or more. So I'm able to fit just under their radar on these assets that are still great assets and great areas, uh, but they just don't move the needle enough for some of those big funds. So that's been a, a, a good sweet spot for us. That's part of the reason. And then also our market in the Midwest, uh, you know, I think it's, it's overlooked. It's more blue collar. It's slow growth. And a lot of uh, big operators are going for more, you know, very high growth, you know, grade A type of metros. Uh, so we're, we're in a nice little sweet spot and it's, it's worked well for us. That's awesome. I, uh, I, I find that that focus helps real estate investors so much. It It's helped us where we say, we know what we like. We know what we're good at. We know what we can do. And that allows us to scale. That allows us to find opportunities. That allows us to get deals done. It allows you to get funds. It allows confidence from banks and everything. I, I, I think that is a secret sauce to so many people. And they know where they shouldn't compete. 
I mean, that was when we started up our company. We had we had markets that were amazing markets. We're like, we're not going into that because we can't. We we don't. It, maybe we could. Maybe we couldn't compete. But we didn't know that, and we knew that you know those people had been experienced. So we stayed away from those, and we went to other markets. And I feel like identifying where you're good at and where you're not good at is a hard thing because most real estate investors just want deals. Exactly. Exactly. I, I listened to a podcast with Sam Zell and he's obviously the, the manager of equity lifestyles and they have the most mobile home lots, you know, they, they own the most. And they, uh, I, I looked at a story of his when he, when he was back in his early investor days and he, his father invested in, you know, top metros, San Francisco, uh, you know, Miami, New York, that's the metros that his father was looking at. And the yields he was getting, you know, were single digit yields, but they were in these great areas, you know, high population growth, etc. Well, Sam found a deal in Toledo, Ohio. I'm pretty sure it was Toledo. I'm like 90% sure. And he brought the deal to his father and it had, you know, very healthy returns. Uh, you know, double or triple what his dad was getting in those other areas, but it was a secondary market. It wasn't, it wasn't one of the, the top markets in the country. Uh, and th- they ended up doing the deal and the returns were, uh, were, were better than stated. So it ended up working out well for him, but that just shows you that you know, there's still opportunities out there in some of these secondary markets. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I like that a lot. And two, I like the fact that you went on what a path that what made sense to you. You went down, you were flipping homes, you got in the mobile park, it made sense, so you kept following it, not based upon what, you know, a natural progression maybe of a someone that works on multifamily, you know, or you'd be go into multifamily, own single families, I flip and I take the capital and multifamily. You weren't afraid to divert and focus in on this area where you saw opportunity and then grow it from there. I think that's that's really cool. And now, if you're trying to get into your space, if you're trying to get into mobile homes, I mean, what would be your suggestions to people? What would you tell somebody trying yeah. to get into the space? I think they should start doing Lonnie deals. You know, they should, before you go spend the time, effort, money, you know, learning, the taking the training courses, you know, buying a first your first property, I think you should go do a couple Lonnie deals and make sure that you're comfortable, you know, with that whole process because buying a park is just more of that on a bigger scale. So, you know, I think, you know, buy the book deals on wheels by Lonnie Scruggs, buy a couple mobile homes in parks, you know, fix them up and then sell them. And if you like that process, you like going through those steps, then I think your natural progression would be to get into parks. Uh, But it's a, it's a low cost way to see if you're, you're dipping your toe in the water to see if this is the, you know, the industry that I want to be in. Uh, and, and there is some hype around it, but it's not all, you know, roses and, and, and daisies, you know, there, there's tough decisions that have to be made. There's, you know, it's affordable housing and, uh, you know, there's, there's some struggles that come with that. Yeah, you're right. And some people may not be okay with that. Um, exactly. and they may, not, you know, it's, it's interesting. One of the value adds that we get out of operating is people that are just they're just not okay with running a business. They have delinquencies of 15% because they don't want to collect. They don't want to make that calls. And somebody comes in and tells them, oh, listen, I'm having a hard time or whatnot. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, and it's, you got to remember, this is a business. And if you don't operate it like one, your asset will fail. And uh, we pick up from a lot of people that, 
they're just not doing what they need to do to run a good business um, because they're uncomfortable with it. And, uh, you know, I don't care if you're a multifamily. I don't care. You know, it, there's hard decisions to be made no matter what when you're dealing with other individuals and you're either evicting them or in self-storage or selling all their stuff, um, right? And people are going to be mad. You're going to get people that are going to call you bad, bad things. And that doesn't matter what asset class you're in. I don't care if you're in hotels. I don't care. You know, that's going to happen. And if you're not okay with that, then yeah, you, 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 yeah, you need to think twice about dealing with all these people before, before you do. I have one last final question here for it. Before I let you go, I hope you don't mind. What are your favorite books in this space? So like when you're talking, uh, so much of this is resources, education, learning, just like you went through, right? Come out of nowhere, never had anything to do with mobile home parks and, you know, built your huge company within a few years. And I just love the story. So where would you send people to go and where would you tell them to get uh, education to know if this is something they want to get into or not? First off, Lonnie Scruggs, he writes a book called Deals on Wheels. You can get it on Amazon. I would highly recommend that one. Uh, Next up, I would get plugged in with MHU, uh, Mobile Home University. They put on a the, the top boot camp or educational uh, event in the industry, and it's they have fantastic content. Frank Rolf puts on a podcast, the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast. Uh, that is a very educational podcast. I would highly recommend that. Uh, Kevin Bupp has a, a great podcast. Also, Jefferson Lilly has a great podcast. That'll keep you busy for, for quite a while because there's a lot of great content out there. Awesome. Awesome. Now, that's a great resource, but how do people now get a hold of you? So if you got, if people are saying, hey, listen, I, I want to talk to Andrew. I want to reach out. Where can they find you? Where should they go? And everybody will put this in the show notes too, so you, get, so you got it. But where, where should we send people? Yeah, if you're interested in investing with me or you're interested in maybe bringing me a deal and JV partnering on a deal with me, you can go to my website. It's keelteam.com. That's K E E L team as in basketball team.com and click to schedule a free consult with me. We can hop on the phone and, and talk more. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for jumping on here and walking through this, this asset class. I know there's just so much interest in it and I appreciate all the value that you've, you've brought to our listeners and being open and uh, you know, giving some just I mean, I, I don't care who you are. That that idea of using a mobile home—if you didn't get value out of that, I, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. You're you're, you're hopeless. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> thank you. Seriously, thank, thank you, you for having me. I, I appreciate you having me, AJ. And uh, you know, I hope hope your your listeners get a lot out of it. Absolutely, and we'll bring you on again. So, thank you again. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.